Good evening, hushlings, and welcome. I present your preceptors to the underbelly of the void, the whispers of conjecture, and the known of the unknown. Thus begins the conclave of the Hush Hush Society. There are people being convinced by conspiracy theorists while listening to them on satellite radio that the Earth is flat. <laughs> An almost unfathomable level of irony. <laughs> they call it a flat Earth debate to make it sound more intellectual. All right, there's two sides to the flat Earth debate. And if you're a flat Earther right now, you're thinking, exactly. <laughs> there's only two sides, you smug son of a bitch. There's the round side and the flat side. <laughs> this is how insane this argument is. On the round side of this debate is every scientist alive. <laughs> Not most, all of them. <laughs> every legitimate scientist, every astronomy and physics professor, every pilot who makes it to their destination consistently. Greetings, hushlings. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour where we journey into the world of conspiratorial mysteries and dark truths. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And as always, we're joined by our fellow globetard, Slick Frank Sanders. The Earth is probably round. How you doing? How's it going? Are things going around today? Quick question, Flat Earthers. How do boomerangs work on your flat plane? Boomerangs are flat. Got em. Well, that's, Got them. If you didn't notice, today we return to the great debate in this episode. Is the Earth round? Is the Earth flat? Hustlings, uh, in case you weren't aware, we visited this topic in Season 3 and completely shat all over the flat plane. And we believe we should revisit this mother of all modern conspiracies, seeing as though it's such a big part of conspiracy culture. And it's getting even bigger, even though you guys probably most definitely are going to take a second dumping in this one. Not as bad as the first. Not as yeah, bad. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Previously, we've discussed how there are different phases to being a flat earther. I guess I'm still in stage zero. And we were in stage one in May of 2021. Let's go up a rung to stage two. But before we search for the horizon and fall off the flat plane and search for God in the sky under the spotlight sun, you can always find us on our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also find everything Hush Hush Society on our website, www.hushhushsociety.com, from episodes to links to merchandise and the ability to drop a review or leave us a voicemail. We hope we get some after this episode. Mm, please do. Yeah. And we keep mentioning that we are now also a video podcast. You can not only listen to us, but you can watch us. You can see our faces. You can get that expressional action that you might not get from just an audio recording. And to find those episodes, you just got to go to Rockfin. It's, it's very simple. Rockfin.com. There's even an app. And in the search bar, you just put in Hush Hush Society. You'll find us nice and easy. And there you can find all of our videos. You hit the notification button. You get notifications when our videos come out. Check it out. And just one last thing before we move on to the flat plane. 
we just want to give a quick shout out to our newest Patreon, Gabrielle May. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Just in case you're new to this, we're going to do a quick little recap for you on what flat earth theory is. And essentially, in a nutshell, the earth is flat rather than round. Pretty self-explanatory. Although it's made its appearance throughout history. The theory gained popularity around 2009 and has continued to grow ever since then. It is regarded as one of the most controversial conspiracy theories in existence. Why claim that our Earth is flat and not a globe? Easy. That's because it looks flat and feels flat and is surrounded by 200 feet of ice blocking us from traversing across an infinite plane or falling off the edge. Sounds correct, right? I mean, yeah, that's what I've been made to believe. That's that's what it seems like. Yeah, riding on the back of a turtle through the cosmos. But the cosmos doesn't exist, so where's the turtle going? Anyways, according to believers, NASA and the ruling elite protect the ice walls from people attempting to climb over and fall from the disk. Can't make it up. They also believe that Earth's gravity is an illusion and that objects are, quote, driven up by a mysterious force called dark energy, rather than spinning and being stuck to a surface. But on the other hand, there are countless photographs, videos, and images from astronauts and the International Space Station that kind of seem like evidence to show that the Earth is round. But these are not considered real evidence and are allegedly faked by the government or the ruling elites. Now, before we move on, Flat Earthers are already pissed off at our description in the beginning. Probably, yeah. We wanted to pull you in, but we'll make it as fair as possible with some of the talking points that we're going to go over. Now, Hushlings, there is the Flat Earth Society, as well as thousands of others from around the globe in groups, in addition to independent researchers. Even though there is evidence to contradict some of these arguments, they are dismissed as quote, fabrications of a round Earth conspiracy, along with stars, planets, galaxies, space, and gravity, all being a part of the facade of where we live. That is my biggest thing when it comes down to a debate between a flat earther and someone who believes that we live on a globe, is that it always results in a flat earther saying, well, that's what you've been told. You've been lied to. You're believing a lie that's being told to you, which is the old faithful of all conspiracy theorists is that you're being lied to. That's all well and good. But at what point do you turn around and say the science is being lied to you? NASA, we know lies to us. We know they fabricate images. We know what they do. But again, that's more of an argument that NASA is filled with a bunch of liars. But at what point do you look at it? Maybe there is evidence that it's a globe, or maybe there is evidence that that it's a flat plane. There has to be a certain cutoff point where you stop saying, well, you're being lied to. That's what they want you to believe. That's what they're fabricating the science. They're fabricating this. They're fabricating that. How, and this has always been my issue, how do you talk to a flat earther and say, what piece of evidence would it take for you to say that it's a globe pictures pictures but then you show them a picture of this is what our earth looks like it's a globe or you show them video or you show them anything well that's been fabricated it's always like this deniability to go against what they believe in 
Like you, you have to deny it. You have to deny it because it shakes the entire foundation of what their belief system is, especially when it comes to a flat earth. But then they always revert back to, that's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. I'm sorry. We, we've been over the Bible many times. We all know that it's been changed a thousand times. And it's a book. Not only that, but that's what they're making the Bible say. That's what certain people are interpreting the Bible to say. And you can make the Bible say a lot of different things depending on how you decide to interpret it as a person. And if you're interpreting it as they're telling me about the flat earth, then so be it. This episode is going to focus a little bit more heavily on some of the things that Mike and Frank just mentioned, talking about NASA and the why would they lie? And why would they fake and indoctrinate us as kids to believe that it's a ball? And these are major talking points that I've learned over the last year and a half since we've done this, other than just the physical evidence. But we have the physical evidence if you're going to go by the mainstream. We'll go through a bunch of stuff. I think we'll talk about religion, too. So, Mike, save those nails, buddy. We'll look into some of what we just listed and more throughout this episode. And it's strongly suggested you listen to our first crack at this crust to understand where some of the historical beliefs come from and a lot of other things about this theory, mainly the science. But let's give this another oscillation, shall we? We're going to literally hit some of the proposed theories and then firmly spit some facts. Be prepared to uh, confirm or deny your belief. So before we completely dive into the flat plane, we're going to talk about the planet as we've been taught in a traditional sense. Our native Earth is a terrestrial rocky planet, correct? Yes or no? I mean, whether it's flat or round, truth. It has a dynamic and active surface with mountains, valleys, canyons, you name it, all the different geographical structures and a variety of other features. It has water covering 70% of its surface, as well as harboring thousands of life forms, and has a unique orbiting satellite, our moon. It has a circumference, remember this number, Hushlings, 24,901 miles, and it shares our solar system with eight, sorry, Pluto, eight other planets, and is rotating at around 1,000 miles an hour while orbiting our home star. Now, this is where flat earthers start to deny our existence on a spinning ball. We're orbiting around our sun at 67,000 miles an hour, all while zipping around the center of the Milky Way, roughly at around 490,000 miles an hour. And the biggest claim, you can't feel it. Well, that's just what we're taught in school. Unfortunately, most of us didn't escape the clutches of the Rockefeller education system. There's that name again. Yep. He created the General Education Board in 1902 at the cost of $129 million. It's a lot of money back in 1902. It's a lot of money today. And provided major funding for schools across the nation and was very influential in shaping the school system. Also, he's quoted as saying, quote, I don't want a nation of thinkers. I want a nation of workers. It sounds like my boss. And that speaks some deep truth because school does indoctrinate the nation into 
the trap of society. Once you hit like 10th grade, you're already filling out college applications, colleges that you're going to be in debt to for the rest of your life, that you're going to have to work for the majority of your life to pay off for that job that you'll be working for the rest of your life. And it's this endless cycle. So that's definitely perpetuated by some global elitists. I get that to an extent, maybe the indoctrination portion of it. Well, from the beginning, which classroom have you ever been in that didn't have a globe? In 1928, John D. Rockefeller Jr. financed an expedition to the South Pole. As a British Secret Service agent, Rockefeller knew perfectly that no South Pole existed, but people were curious about the true shape of the world. From 1956 onward, Antarctica was completely controlled by the Pentagon, hence the Antarctic Treaty, and anybody visiting this chunk of land without permission was shot on sight. Admiral Byrd, who we've talked about extensively, died mysteriously in 1957 and perhaps had a timely demise before he could tell the truth about what the South Pole was. When it comes to the Antarctic Treaty and being shot on sight, who is shooting these people on sight? Snow snipers. Those drones from Star Wars that landed on Hoth. That's a lot of land to patrol in order to watch for people. Remember, Antarctica is 5.2 million square miles as well. That's what doesn't make sense to me. You're going to be shot on site. And that's another part of the Antarctic Treaty that I also don't understand. Who is physically stopping you from going there? The only thing that's physically stopping you from going to Antarctica is it costs a lot of money to either charter a boat that would go there. Most people don't go there. Most charter boats don't go there. You could do a flyover, but that's only partial. Who is physically stopping you besides your bank account? I did see a video recently of some guys on a boat that were stopped. I think they were stopped by the New Zealand Navy or the Australian Navy, and they were turning them around, and you can see, like, ice in the distance or something like that. And I don't know if there was just like an iceberg that was out there that they were near, but the allegations on TikTok was got turned around at the bottom of the world. Cause I believe it's, there's some degree and I'm going to sound uneducated saying this, but I don't know the degree I think, but there's some degree at the bottom of the world that you can't go. But the Antarctic treaty, it contradicts itself because the Antarctic treaty was supposed to be a demilitarized zone. No military stuff, no commercial, nothing. It was supposed to be strictly for research. So why is the Navy there of who? New Zealand? It was either New Zealand or or Australia. So what is the New Zealand or Australia Navy doing there? Well, they're close to Antarctica. Yeah, but isn't it non-military zone? But there's only military scientists, maybe not all military scientists. You got like NOAA scientists and stuff. And I'm sure NASA is down there. The Nazis, they're all down there. You know, you got everybody. Antarctica looks like a continent to me. And there's a lot of pictures of it. And are they fake? I'm not in the plane, so I don't know. Why would it matter? And why would they lie? The largest argument of why these elites would lie to us is most likely there's more land, more resources, maybe even unlimited resources and lands beyond the ice shelf or walls as well as the suppression of how powerful of beings we are, which can kind of be a different argument that has nothing to do with flat earth as well. Thoughts on that? I could get behind 
both of those points to an extent. In the shoes of a flat earther, for example, yes, if you told me that there was unlimited resources, we're talking oil, we're talking the purest water in the world, we're talking minerals that are used to power the world's electronics, whatever energy generating methods that we might have unlimited supply of that, which would completely destroy not only the US dollar, but the world economy, which is what the alleged elites thrive off of. And if it's not money that they thrive off of, it is leeching our fucking energy. And we've talked about that a lot. And if we were to unlock some sort of crazy secret about ourselves or humanity as a whole that might be incredibly enlightening to a lot of people or disturbing. I could see it going either way. But if, if a bunch of people woke up and they were incredibly enlightened, that could be bad for the reptilian negative energy blood suckers. I don't think it would go well for anybody. I think we always do ask this question a lot when we talk about this is, is would it change our everyday lives? And we usually say no, but it would because we'd probably have a massive economic shutdown. Religions would collapse. There'd probably be some type of total anarchy that would happen. And then we'd have our own epiphanies of being like not really upset that I was wrong, but shit, I was lied to as well. Part of the dupey group. And that would be a shitty day. Would it end everything for me? No, it would change everything for sure. But I think the unlimited resources part, I could see somebody hiding that. We did talk about Admiral Byrd and Admiral Byrd went through supposedly into the hollow earth. Could he have misinterpreted it and gone through a crack and found more land? Who knows? In the writing, The Iron Republic, written by E.W. Barrington and published also in 1902, another one of that year with the education system. It was published in Florida Magazine, and it said that an explorer went through a crack in the ice walls and found an advanced civilization after being lost for over a month at sea. So that means he went through the ice walls and there was more ocean. Have there ever been any, any pictures or video of the ice wall or beyond it? People take pictures of huge ice shelves and try to say that they're the ice walls. But at the same time, those could very well just be ice shelves or very large icebergs. Makes sense. Makes sense. I want to see a flight going around the whole whatever 76,000 miles it's supposed to actually be just banking around the whole rim. But you can't go there because the military will shoot you down in a demilitarized zone. I still think that there's plenty of ways to get there. And we talked to who do we talk with that had went to Antarctica? Was it Mark? On a cruise with like their father. Yeah, Mark O'Connell, yeah. Yep. Mark O'Connell said that he went to Antarctica with his family. San Diego Padres pitcher's there right now. Yeah, but he also mentioned that it was like the only part of Antarctica that they'll let a civilian on. And it's like this tiny little peninsula and they've got the little novelty pole, like you could go up and touch it and take a picture with it. Yeah, and they got little stuffed penguins and shit. Could it just be a simple explanation why we don't bring people there? One, you'll die. Yes, it's very extreme terrain. There's tons of extreme terrain that we're allowed to go to that you would probably die in if you weren't very well equipped. Yeah, it makes sense that the only reason that they would be stopping people from going there, besides the massive, endless amounts of resources that they're hoarding from us. 
would be that they just don't want people going out there and fucking dying. This brings up another allegation that even the word extraterrestrial means extra terra or more land. Trying to hold some weight to the notion this has been taught to us, we see in the film The Next Level by David Weiss, he meets with an older woman named Ruth. She's 102. God bless her. From Connecticut, who was in tears, claiming that she was taught flat earth in school in Hamden, Connecticut, and now feels vindicated and better because of his truths. She was like, lost it. Like real, real emotional about it? Yeah, really emotional about it. Okay, we just mentioned the Rockefeller education system and him saying that he doesn't want a nation of thinkers, he wants a nation of workers. In the 1920s, if she was taught that the earth was flat, she would have been learning from that education system. Yeah, but I don't think that there's actually... I've looked and looked and looked and couldn't find any definitive evidence that was saying that they actually taught that in schools because even in 2022 curriculums across the country are not the same even across the same states depending on the size of your state they're not the same especially when you get to advanced levels like college professors are teaching what they want within that curriculum how in 1920 were they all taught the same thing when there were still tons and tons and tons tons of schools that's the thing that gets me. She's 102. Could she have just been like, yeah, I saw that once. And she saw it on a cartoon in the 70s while she was in her 60s. Nonetheless, I do find that difficult to wrap my head around because it was David Weiss who did that interview or whatever. And he brings up a lot of stuff about Flat Earth. I listened to a bunch of his talks and shows that he went on to and whatnot. And he brings up all of these points and he tells people to just look into it. You got to look into it yourself. You, you got to do your research. You go to do this research. And obviously, if you're looking into stuff like this, you're not going to Google. You're not using Bing, like the go-to search engine for anything that you can't find is DuckDuckGo. And he's been saying that DuckDuckGo is starting to censor things of this nature. So like Dave, I went looking for what the global education was like in the 1910s, the 1920s. And Again, like you said, no definitive proof. Is it a censorship thing or is it the fact that it was just not taught as flat in the 1920s? There's also allegations that say that it was the 30s and even in the 60s through certain education systems. I almost bought David Weiss's app. Now, David had contacted us and let us know how he thought about us. I think in the next level almost looks like somebody's trying to sell something. And maybe this woman really did feel vindicated, Ruth, if she's still alive or not. But I don't know. Check out the next level. It's an interesting take on Flat Earth. And there's a bunch of other proponents that I never even heard of that have some interesting talking points. My beef when it comes to David is he did reach out to us. He reached out to us a couple times, especially after our Flat Earth episode, and essentially just berated us through email. It's the usual argument that I, especially for some odd reason, am on the receiving end of arguments with flat earthers. It's just yelling and anger and just being pissed off consistently. And he was not too happy, as Dave said, 
with how we covered it in our talking points. He said, oh, it's always the same talking points. Well, it's the same talking points with flat earthers, too. You talk about the Bible, you talk about NASA, you talk about... It's like, it's it's the same talking points because we're talking about the same fucking topic. Of course, we're going to have our sides to it and, and flat earthers are going to have their sides to it. It's just the way that it is. That's how you have constructive conversations that go back and forth with conflicting beliefs. I feel like it's a lot of frustration that you're just not getting it. So yeah. I feel like he rails Coke and like smashes globes in his free time, like buys globes from Goodwill and just fucking destroys them in the parking lot and then drives home while church beats off. them with Louisville sluggers. <laughs> smack, smack. I can't wait for our next email correspondence after this one. <laughs> Dude, it's not going to be an email. It's going to be a voice message and he's going to be all fucking jacked up out of his mind. Before we move on to like the major talking points, we got to talk about what Mike mentioned earlier, where a lot of the stuff that is talked about goes back to biblical cosmology and creationism. Yeah, and that's always been my biggest talking point with discussions with flat earthers is explain it to me. I will give you my counterpoints and you'll give me your points and we can go back and forth, but complete your persuasion of trying to make me see that it's a flat plane, complete your argument without using the Bible. And every single fucking time, every single time it ends in, well, it says this in the Bible and it says this, it always ends up being that. Let's put it this way. I've never met a flat earther that wasn't also at the same time a Bible thumper. I've met two types. I feel like there are conflicting points to flat earthers. Even they step on each other's toes a little bit. They might not not get along. But I think there are some folks that definitely don't believe in the biblical cosmology and it's just a physical thing. But every time you go back to if it's a physical thing, that's a structure that's not a planet. It brings me to the question, even a non-religious person, it brings me to the question, well, then we're talking about who created it, not just the science of planets and gas and particles coming together for, from accretion. We're talking a whole different thing. Now we're talking about, well, if it's a structure and this is not what we think it is and this is not what I think it is, then it had to have been manufactured. Structure. We build structures. Using that type of verbiage brings even me to being like, now we're in the religious realm or the faith realm. You want me to blow your mind right now? You know what's easier than creating a whole universe? Writing fucking lines of code. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, there it is. There it is. We should just bring all arguments of flat earth back to simulation theory. That's where I, that yeah, prove to me that it's even physical. And then maybe I'll consider whether <laughs> the shape is round or flat. Let's talk about curves. All right. All right. Let's talk about the voluptuous crevices and curves that our mother earth provides, right? The idea of a flat earth stems from a number of viewpoints, and the most fundamental is to rely on one's own sense to determine the true nature of one's surroundings. The world appears flat. Clouds' bottoms look like they're flat. Water looks like it's flat and the sun moves. The stars are always the same, positioned exactly how they always were, and all of these sensory cues indicate that we do, in fact, live on a flat plane. I'm not an astrophysicist, and I'm not a are professional you sure? astro- 
Maybe, maybe, maybe in my other existence, the 500 of them, I'm a failed astrophysicist, but I do have a telescope and I've had it for quite some time and I'm pretty good with it. And it's what the, f- and the stars not moving. I know that there's a difference between absolute uh, motion and a difference between relative motion. And I'm pretty sure that the way that the stars move, but their whole argument is, is that since everything's spinning at astronomical speeds, every night we would see different stars because we're just whipping around and seeing different things. So why are the stars the same? And it does get you thinking, well, why are the stars the same? Well, I'm not a professional astronomer, so I can't really explain that. But I would say it has something to do with relative motion, where everything's moving in conjunction instead of just this vortex of insane speeds. In my peanut globe tarred brain, I'm more so thinking the speed of light and how long it actually takes for the light from the stars that we're seeing to travel here. I mean, yeah, we've been seeing the same stars for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. But at what point were those stars emitting that light? How long have those stars been dead for? And how long is it going to take for us to see new stars? Again, I can't answer any of those questions for you, but I'm pretty sure that's a thing. Valid point. Also, in the grand scheme of time, humanity has been around a fucking blink in universal time. Again, to Frank's point here. We're seeing the same stars because we're living 80 years and that's it. As opposed to the billions and billions and billions of years that the universe has existed and that that light has traveled and those stars have either been born, exploded, died and disappeared. We're seeing nothing, nothing. Well, that goes back to you being an insignificant being and that being suppressed. There's that argument. We'll have that later. We'll fight about it. There there won't be an argument. We are insignificant beings. Even if you took it back to a creationist argument, we are fucking insignificant. We are insignificant. We're nothing. If we were something, we would still commune with gods. We would still commune with universal spirits. We would be something more than fucking meat sacks traveling through the world going, oh, I wonder what job I'm going to have next that I'm going to work fucking 40 hours a week at and pull in a menial salary and take care of my 5.2 fucking kids and then eventually retire at the ripe old age of 70 years old and that's my life. How special am I? (laughs) Well, that's the system that you're locked in. System or not, even if I had no job, even if I was just wandering, enjoying my life, going to these wonderful exotic places, just doing everything that I wanted to do at the end of it all, 70 to 80 years, that's what I get. That's fucking it. In those 70 to 80 years, when am I seeing God? Never. When am I seeing a hint of any extraterrestrial, any any extra dimensional, any religious fucking spiritual guide anything anything when i'm not fucked up on drugs <laughs> god tier moment mike goes have you ever given an ant food throw that bitch in there 
a lot of people see that as negative and I don't really see it as negative that we're that insignificant. It's kind of the same argument that I make about the flight paths, which we'll quickly touch on is, well, the, the plane has to keep dipping down to keep going. Have you seen how small a plane is to how big the earth is? That's one thing that they don't understand is fucking perspective. You don't understand perspective. I'm glad you brought that up because what Frankie said a couple minutes ago about viewpoints, perspective, seeing if the clouds appear flat, water is flat. That's called using an empirical approach or an approach that relies on information on your senses, what your feeble little human garbage eyes can see. And if you can't see the curve, then it doesn't exist. They use mathematics. I am stupid with math. The math is if the earth is round, there should be a degree of curvature eight inches per mile squared. One mile would be eight inches, two miles, 32 inches, three miles, 72 inches, four miles, 128, and so on. 128 inches is about 10 feet of curvature. So that would be four miles away. Now, 10 feet, a considerable amount when you're looking at a boat on water. The water line to the top of, say, let's say an aircraft carrier is probably 60 to 90 feet. You'd have to be at least around 20 miles to not just see the flight deck of that ship going over the horizon. But then you got the whole, you got the bridge, you got everything else, you got all the radar. You're probably looking at 120 feet, at least to the top of all of the structures on that ship. How many miles is that? That's the thing. Another thing with the insignificance is that we're tiny as fuck. Like, how can we see anything? If you're five foot 10, and you're looking at something, or how far are you actually going to see? But what about the zoom, Dave? What about the zoom? Some of those cameras, they can zoom way, 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 way in. They take those cameras and they zoom, 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 and they go, well, that city is 150 miles away. There's no way that I should see it because of this curvature, and this camera is picking it up perfectly. So how do they do that? I think they use the Chicago skyline, for example. And I didn't do the experiment and look on Google Maps and see the distances. But you got to remember the Sears Tower, or whatever the fuck it's called now, is like well over a thousand feet tall. And they're like, well, you can see the whole thing. You can't. In those pictures that are shown as examples, you cannot see the entire Sears Tower. There is hundreds of feet of displacement. And Chicago, like New York, has a very tall fucking skyline. But... You can still see those buildings and they're there. And on top of it, you're getting atmospheric disturbance. You're getting a layer of almost a mirage layer. Dave was just going over the math of the entire situation. So it's 67 feet per 10 miles. Now, before we move on, we have to mention that there are ball earthers or globers or globetards that do argue that this equation is misused by flat earthers and is the equation of calculating a parabola not a full sphere. The guy who said that this is misused was something that was found on the Michael Startain podcast and apparently himself and another guy that were on there. One was like an F-18 pilot and then he's got certain hundreds and hundreds amount of hours as being a pilot. He had mentioned that the equation was misused and used the parabola as an example, that you're talking about something like this instead of something that's a full circle even if you're talking about it on the curve it's still a parabola even on that surface even though the equations are right and the math is right to calculate the curvature of the earth with its circumference that's known might not be accurate 
And uh, who did that? Aristosthenes did that. And I know Flat Earther is going to say that guy didn't even fucking exist, which oh, yeah. I mean, maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. That was 2000 years ago. Who knows? Just to be fair to the Flat Earthers, right? We can't nitpick what false history we believe and don't. We do tend to say that history could have been falsified many times. If history has been erased at any point in time, there is the possibility that this dude was made up. Using this model, a person standing on a spherical surface with eyes 5 feet 11 inches above the ground can hypothetically see the ground up to about 3 miles away. But a person at the top of the Eiffel Tower at 896 feet can see the ground up to 36.6 miles away. Well, they're higher in altitude. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the argument is that you can't see using the calculation. You wouldn't be able to see because it's dipping. I think the argument is wrong. And I'm not a mathematician and I'm not good at math. But from what my eyes see is that almost like some of these people are seeing it smaller than what it is. I don't think they're really getting how big this thing is and how small we are. So even at a 900 feet, yes, you can see almost 10 times as much in distance, but you're also almost a thousand feet in the air. Again, perspective. If the degree of the curvature is found to be the same everywhere on Earth's surface, and the surface is in fact large enough, the constant curvature demonstrates that the Earth is a sphere. Now, what about water? James Underdown, executive director for the Center for Inquiry Los Angeles, worked with the Independent Investigations Group, a nonprofit dedicated to investigating exceptional claims using scientific methods. A boat-based target with horizontal stripes was used in one of these tests. He's quoted as saying, We sent a boat out on the water, and the farther it goes, the more the stripes disappear. That was supposed to demonstrate the curvature of the planet. But most flat earthers disagreed, generating considerable debate. The biggest reason for these arguments with Flat Earth obviously comes from Flat Earth Dave, and it's all about perspective, as we said before. But the ground would never obscure distant objects on a flat Earth. It should be possible to see all the way to the edge of the world, right? That is the question that we would be asking. The answer we get is the atmosphere is opaque. Now, using the vernacular atmosphere is almost a conundrum in itself. And you ask, well, why did you use that? Well, we don't have another word for it. Why not just make up a word? Like you fucking make up your own beliefs. Just atmosphere. Do it. Just do it. <laughs> make up a new word. It's very easy. It's done every day. Hushlings will return after this short message. Hushlings, we'd like to let you know that Rockfin is officially the home of the new Hush Hush Society video content. It is the exclusive home to all of our debriefings, declassified discussions, and all of our video content. It's very easy to go over there, rockfin.com forward slash Hush Hush Society, and you can subscribe to our channel. And be sure to check out our website, the one-stop shop for everything Hush related. There you can find all of our blogs, our audio debriefings, links to our merch, as well as all of our social media links. Lastly, if you love our show and want to support us in becoming a better podcast, 
look us up on Patreon. We've got a ton of exclusive content over there for only $5 a month. That's www.patreon.com forward slash hush hush society. And as always, Hushlings, we would welcome you to leave us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere that you're able to leave us a rating, including our website. Greetings, Hushtillians. Join us as we infiltrate the reptilian cult of Sherry Shriner, where members as well as herself believed in the notion of the New World Order, suggesting that everyone from Queen Elizabeth II to Barack Obama were shape-shifting lizards whose alien overlords were hell-bent on world domination and had placed them in power to establish a one-world government, ultimately leading to the murder of Stephen Mino by his girlfriend Barbara Rogers in 2017 from a 45 caliber bullet wound to the head. Grab your cloaks and get ready for a journey into the world of Sherry Shriner and her virtual reptilian cult. Streaming everywhere, Monday, December 26th. Video available on Rockfin at www.rockfin.com slash hush hush society. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. Let's move on to another major fight in this, the position of the sun sunrise and sunset. In case you were wondering, the sun is always above the Earth's surface in both models. Yet in the flat model, it travels in circles around the Earth's North Pole, which is also its center. The seasons are caused by the expansion and contraction of these circles. What about latitude? What about latitude? I mean, that would be latitude of lines, right? Mm. The largest circumference of latitude on this planet would be the equator, correct? Equator, yep. And then you have the Tropic of Cancer and the Tropic of Capricorn, the midpoints. I don't know. That seems pretty easy to explain. Maybe I'm just stupid. <laughs> Globe tard. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Do some research. Fucking moron. <laughs> Look into it. Where? Show me where. Show me where I can read about this that isn't on the app. In the Bible. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Here we go with the fucking Bible again. <laughs> and books from the 1700s. <laughs> They considered the sun to be much closer than 93 million miles and possibly even as far as 3,000 miles or as close as 300 miles and moves in a circle or a helix pattern because the earth is supposedly accelerating upward, obviously, toward the sun at 9.8 meters per second because they don't believe in gravity and that explains gravity away. With that being said, the sun must also be accelerating in the same direction as this hypothetical earth vortex. Make sense? You guys got that? Instead of us spinning with things spinning around us and us spinning around something else and then that spinning around something else, which is relative. There is a really big graphic that's always shown on every documentary, every video. And it's like the sun being shot out of a gun with everything else, just like around it. It looks like a DNA strand. Most globetards know that that's not how motion works with celestial bodies. That one got me and always gets me is every time that's shown, I'm like, oh God. Why don't we see any other astronomical bodies moving in such a pattern? We have like really high powered telescopes on Earth. Because Why don't we space see anything like is that? Is not real. Oh shit, space I forgot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You got me. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Fair enough. No space. No space. We have to remember that throughout this whole episode. There's no space. Yes. Yes. Yep. If you take space out of the equation, 
introduce God in the Bible and just ignore all known fucking science for the past like 300 years, you can be a flat earther. Wait, is it no space or it's just the sun and the moon and the earth? Or is it none of that and it's just plain earth with our spinning moon sun clock sort of thing happening which one is it do flat earthers believe either the barrel bore theory or the plate theory everything's contained in a system it's one in the same and everything above us is i guess the abyss because there's a lot of arguments that like with this artemis program whether it's fake or not we'll talk about nasa in a little bit but whether it's fake or not rockets don't work in a vacuum apparently but they're actually using their own inertia to move in a vacuum. But I guess things don't work that way, according to some. That brings us to sunrise and sunset. I don't want to get too far into this because this can take hours and hours and hours to argue about. Let's talk about sunrise and sunset real quick. Unlike a bunch of these other points, the day and night cycles are actually kind of easily explained on a flat plane. The sun theoretically would move in circles above the North Pole or around the North Pole. And when it's over your head, it's day. And when it's not, it's nighttime. The light of the sun is then confined to a limited area on the earth, right? Because it's right above you. This claim never held any weight for me in particular because it can be debunked with science. On top of this, all of the planets and stars aren't actually what they appear to be like big rock balls in space or giant balls of gas, but they're actually luminaries. Yet we also hear a lot of people say, well, we don't know what they are. Stars and planets are one of the biggest things that cannot be explained, yet we can explain them with telescopes. We've been talking a lot about movement. We have to talk about heliocentric model, which is the one that we supposedly live in, and not the geocentric model, which is the one that flat earthers live in. When we're confronted with the question of how the Earth is able to orbit the sun and it's not a sphere, it's pretty simple. The Earth actually doesn't orbit the sun, as we've been saying. This is so because instead of the sun being the center of our solar system, our planet is actually the center of our solar system or controlled environment. In reality, we have heliocentrism, also known as the heliocentric model. It's the astronomical model in which the Earth and planets revolve around the Sun at the center. Historically, heliocentrism was opposed to geocentrism, which placed the Earth at the center. Now we've hit the firmament. In the cosmology of the flat Earth, the disc-shaped planet is covered by a dome whose edges stop just beyond the roughly 145-foot-high ice wall of Antarctica, and the stars are fixed on this dome, while the Sun and Moon which are only about 31 miles in diameter, revolve about 3,100 miles above the Earth. As we said before, in biblical cosmology, the firmament is a vast solid dome or semi-solid dome created by God during his creation in the first six days to divide the primal sea into upper and lower portions so that the dry land could appear which surrounds the Earth or frozen water. I've heard this a lot with the biblical cosmology stuff is that it's explained during day one, day two, day three. And they even say in the Bible, God created the firmament. I believe it's on a Vernon Braun's headstone, as we've mentioned previously. I think it's a lot of wordplay and interpretation. 
We also mentioned back in Hollow Moon, if you've listened to that episode, about the Zulu tribe, where the firmament, or atmosphere, rained down to Earth. Are Flat Earthers saying that the sky is liquid? Yes. Possibly. Clearly, we know that the Earth's atmosphere is 78% nitrogen, 21% oxygen, 0.9% argon, and 0.1% of other gases. Now, quickly, recently I've heard a lot of arguments in quite a few different shows and videos, not just one proponent, but multiple proponents on this theory. And a lot of them will say, well, the atmosphere itself is just a different version of water as it is up in space, a whole different version of water, because they use the example of if you go to the deep oceans or certain lakes, there's different salinities of water. You'll have heavier water on the bottom, different pockets of water. The atmosphere works the same way. And they say because it has the same elements in it. Now, if our atmosphere is made up of 78% nitrogen, 21% oxygen, yes, there's hydrogen in that, because if we need water, we need H2O, which does happen in the atmosphere. Holy shit. That's why they sent U-boats to space, because it's water. Ooh. Ooh. That's it. Makes you got sense. me. We're Ooh. done. We're done. We're I'm... done. Final <laughs> thoughts, boys? Thank you, Hushlings. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so we're talking about the firmament currently. Now, I just want everyone to know the actual definition of a firmament. So the firmament is the vault or arch of the sky. The firmament isn't necessarily something that is physical. It is something that is viewed. The arch from one horizon to the other is the sky. That is the firmament. So when everybody's saying, oh, firmament, they're talking about the firmament. They're talking about something that's physically there. No, that's a viewpoint. The firmament refers to horizon to horizon the arch of the sky as you see it from one end of your viewpoint to the other. Makes sense. There's a lot of that too, where it's said that you're a, you have a personal viewing bubble. And I think that's misinterpreted as what you're actually, what you can see. You go up a 1500 foot mountain, you look around, you can see 360 degrees. That's your firmament. That's your firmament. One bar from Suicide Boy's last album. One of them goes, Dome so good, I think she think the earth is flat, mouth like the fucking firmament. She got my eyes rolling back. There you go. That says it all. <laughs> it says it all. It says it all. Your, your mouth has a firmament. Show me what that firmament do. Land ho, we have hit the ice walls and the absence of the poles. Along the edge of our local area exists a massive 150-foot ice wall. This ice wall is on the coast of Antarctica, and the wall is absolutely gargantuan, made up of solid water, ice, that surrounds our world and holds our world's oceans in. And the South Pole does not exist Whereas the North Pole is just a giant mountain called a hyperbole that you can't visit. The ice walls were discovered by Sir James Clark, who was a British naval officer and polar explorer who was amongst the first to venture to Antarctica in an attempt to determine the position of the South Magnetic Pole between 1768 and 1779. Upon confronting the massive vertical front of ice, he famously remarked, it was 
an obstruction of such character as to leave no doubt in my mind as to our future proceedings, for we might as well sail through the cliffs of Dover as to penetrate such a mass. That's what she said. It would be impossible to conceive a more solid-looking mass of ice, not the smallest appearance of any rent or fissure could we discover throughout the whole of its extent. And the intensely bright sky beyond it but too plainly indicated the great distance to which it wreathed southward. Apparently it took him three years or so to do one of the journeys, and he circumnavigated the globe at 77,000 miles. What if he did it three times and did 77,000 miles? That's the one thing that I've always thought is that was it one trip? And he just didn't know. But again, in the 1800s, let's say that this guy goes and he encounters an ice shelf. Would he not think that was an ice wall? Yeah. Like, oh, shit, well, this is the edge of the world, I suppose. (laughs) There's no going past this. My ship can't go through that. I mean, yeah, that would be logical, right? I think this is what we said in the first one. A lot of these arguments for a flat Earth revert back to like this 1800s knowledge. Let's look at this book from the 1800s. Look, they mentioned the firmament. Let's look at this. They talk about ice domes and blah, blah, blah. The future is a lie. The truth lies in the 1800s. Reject modernity. (laughs) (laughs) Now, all of this would, of course, imply that Antarctica isn't at all what they say. And we've mentioned this quite a bit about the Antarctic Treaty already and the Antarctic bases and all the secrets that they hide. And You can't go there. You're not allowed there. Only scientists. Yeah, that's where they're hiding the edge of the world. Let's board a plane real quick and try to go to Antarctica. I know we say we can get there by ship, but two major arguments about airplanes with the flat earth theory is one, there's no round trip flights to Antarctica. And I think we covered this briefly in our first one where we had said Antarctica fucking sucks. And that's probably why there's no round trip flights and how a lot of the Southern Hemisphere flights cannot be explained. And I believe we went over that a lot in our first episode. And I still stick by all of what I thought about that. Now, the other question that comes up with this theory, one, can you see curve in a commercial aircraft? And two, the aircraft always has to be pitching nose down after a certain amount of time. Those two arguments come up major in this theory. So I want to get your thoughts on do planes always have to tip downward as you're flying? Because you've all been on flights before. No, the the plane isn't nosediving or it doesn't feel like it anyway. It doesn't seem like it's nosediving by any means. But you would feel it. You can feel drop in altitude when you're starting to descend and you feel that almost that weird weightlessness when they drop a couple hundred feet or a thousand feet. Pretty quickly, you can feel turbulence, obviously. I don't think that it necessarily pitches downward after a certain distance because I think, like I said earlier, planes are tiny and the earth is huge. So I don't think there's that much effect of a plane having to move when it's floating on top of a surface of air. If a plane pitched downwards while at like max altitude, wouldn't it just start losing altitude? Wouldn't you just be going towards the ground? 
or am I being peanut brained? If planes were going in the straight path following the Earth's curve, then they would fly off into space. That's what they say. And I think it's simpler than that. Planes fly in a certain area from 35,000 to 50,000 feet, especially commercial aircraft, in a certain layer of air that's thinnest, which is why they can move as fast as they can. But I don't believe that they're pitching because they are so tiny that everything is going to appear flat at 35,000 feet because the Earth is so big. They're maintaining a certain altitude from the ground. So they're not pitching anything. They're just going with the natural atmosphere of the Earth. Gravity. (laughs) The plane thing never, never made too much sense to me, especially with the flying off into space. If you didn't compensate for curvature, it's because the plane's center mass is always perpendicular with the ground. And the plane is so insignificantly small that you will not notice those changes. You notice left and right banks on planes. You take a direction moving towards another city. You see it. You feel the whole plane go and you're looking towards the ground. If you're ascending, you feel that inertia. You're getting pulled up into the air, especially on takeoffs. Or if you're descending, you feel that, oh, the pilot goes, oh, we're going to be descending in a couple minutes. And all of a sudden you feel that, that drop. You feel that motion left, right, and vertical, but you don't feel those nudges that they say that they're doing. So I don't think that that happens. I just think the center mass of that plane is fighting against gravity to keep it up. It's a boat in the sky. Even if they did, that's a continuous compensation. So it's not like they're mm-hmm. flying a certain distance and then going, oh, well, I'm eight inches above where I was before. I need to adjust. Even if that was the truth, they would just make manual adjustments as they went. So over that period of time, a half inch or quarter inch, whatever, you wouldn't even be able to tell in the first place if that was the case. And that would only be if you were flying like across the world. I'm sure it's even less so if you're flying from somewhere on the East Coast down to like Minnesota or something, it's going to be even less noticeable if you're traveling somewhere that local. You're only traveling a couple hundred miles. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure the figures are out there, but how many flat earthers are from America versus from the rest of the world? Good question. Just wondering. I don't know the answer to that. I would say there's a lot in America. America is a very conspiracy driven country at the moment. And flat earth boils down to every other conspiracy. If you believe wholeheartedly in this, you believe everything else. The lies, everything is fake. Your entire existence is fake. That's from what I get. That sucks. And then, and then from that point, where do they go with that? They yell at other people about it or we're going to briefly go over the eclipse aspect of flat earth theory now we all obviously know what eclipses are that's when the moon aligns with the sun and the earth and blocks out the sun you know the deal and remember that the moon is 400 times smaller than the sun it's also about 400 times closer to the earth than the sun is is that coincidence that this astronomical phenomenon happens Uh, i can tell you from the flat earth side that that is almost impossible it's pretty impossible either way. Like, it's pretty coincidental. I will give it to them that when you're talking about the sun and the moon being these like perfect distances and these perfect sizes and these per that's intriguing to say the least. I will give them that. Which we did go over hollow moon theory. 
if the moon was placed here, it was placed here on purpose. But then that would give weight to some type of maybe not creationism, but some type of external control or external observation, which I think all of us are on the fence with that. That could be, it could not be. Again, prove to me that any of this is real. So there's two types of eclipses. There's solar and lunar eclipses. Now, the way solar eclipses work is that the moon orbits in between the sun and the earth. And when that occurs, obviously, the moon blocks out the sunlight. You see the corona, bada bing. You have a solar eclipse. And the moon also casts a shadow on the earth. Now, a lot of the times, it's told that the moon can't cast this little tiny pinprick shadow that goes across the earth. But if the moon is relatively 200,000 miles away, why couldn't it? According to flat earth theorists, this astronomical phenomenon is actually a glimpse of a mysterious, quote, shadow object that orbits the sun and occasionally passes in front of the moon from our point of view. Could it be planet X? Nibiru? No, no. This object is known as the anti-moon. That sounds very negative. Another random object in our system. We could go on and on about eclipses. But we have to talk about one of the biggest fallacies of our education system. Gravity. Not real. Not real. Now, one of the most well-agreed-upon theories is general relativity, and it is the theory of gravitation developed by our boy Albert Einstein, who is apparently a con man, according to Flat Earthers. And between 1907 and 1915, he figured all this out. The theory of general relativity says that an observed gravitational effect between masses results from their warping of space-time. Gravity is still just a theory to us. I guess we can all be on the fence on it because we really don't get it. I think scientists have admitted that they don't get it. Well, didn't recently they say that they had to like rework that entire thought process for some discovery that they had found that the theory of relativity had had to be rethought or it was not necessarily wrong entirely, but partially, I guess. It had to do with the way that a black hole was working Mm. where for the first time they saw a star coming out of a black hole. Yeah. I saw that it was being regurgitated. Yeah. They saw light coming out of a black hole. That's right. Things are happening, man. Whether you believe in space or not, it's pretty wild. Newton's law of gravitation states every point mass attracts every single other point mass by a force acting along the line intersecting both points. I don't know what that means. The force is proportional to the product of the two masses and inversely proportional to the square of the distance between them. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I've been saying this whole time. Sounds about right. Thanks, boys. Well, what is gravity according to this theory? It's stated that the Earth isn't pulled into a sphere because the force known as gravity exists in a greatly diminished form compared to what is commonly taught, which is that we're being pulled down to the center of the Earth while spinning. The flat Earth is constantly accelerating up at a rate of 32 feet per second squared, or 9.8 meters per second squared, as we had previously mentioned. This constant acceleration causes what you think of as gravity, but it's actually caused by a universal accelerator known as dark energy or etheric wind. Never heard of etheric wind. That's interesting. It's that post-Taco Bell shits. 
my etheric wind. <laughs> <laughs> Furthermore, with gravity, we hear words like density and buoyancy a lot in these theories arguments, which is why things fall to the ground that are heavier and explains rockets, which are thought to actually be filled with helium and have a pyrotechnic show that proves that all things fall at 9.8 meters squared. All right, boys, we're getting towards the end of our flat earth expedition here, but we have to go back in the sky. That brings us to rockets and satellites. As we just mentioned, proponents of flat earth theory believe that satellites totally exist, but cannot be seen from the ground and are actually held in the atmosphere by helium balloons. Hence why NASA is the largest consumer of helium. And they sometimes crash into the planet, which we call them weather balloons. And I guess that would explain the weather balloon phenomenon. Satellites in low Earth orbit are constantly fighting gravity, according to science. Some are geographically fixed and keep their orbit by balancing two factors, their velocity, which is the speed required to travel in a straight line, and their gravitational pull to the Earth. To resist the stronger gravitational pull, a satellite orbiting closer to the Earth requires more velocity. And of course, we're not going to get out of this debriefing without a little bit of NASA sprinkled in that bitch. Yes, good old NASA, our friends over there, professional CGI. It's widely assumed that humans have never left the Earth's atmosphere. In fact, we've never left Earth and entered space because we lack the ability to do so in the first place, unless you're a Nazi in a U-boat. Most of what society has been taught about space is completely made up or greatly exaggerated by the government and or the elites. There's also the claim that humans have never landed on the moon. I'm with that. And that the infamous moon landings witnessed by the entire world in 1969 were a sham. Okay. I'll give them that. I'll give them that. that. A major claim is that any pictures from the Apollo 11 mission that show that our planet as a sphere in the distance were fabricated by the government and NASA. And NASA's mission is not to hide the shape of the Earth or trick people into thinking it's round or anything else of the sort. Well, that's what NASA says, right? We obviously know that there's some type of space travel conspiracy, whether it's more advanced or it doesn't exist. Possibly NASA's mission is to create the illusion of space travel in order to cover for the military and their dominance in space. One thing we forgot to mention that I thought of real quick when you guys were talking is the quick notion on gravity. There's a lot of flat earthers that will say, well, can you jump when you jump off the earth? You 100, 200 pound person jumping off the earth. Do you come back down? And was it easy to jump? then why is gravity so strong? That's the whole argument of like, why does gravity hold our planet's oceans on, yeah. on the face of the earth? Yeah, if it can hold all this water and all this mass, why can you jump off your roof and hit the ground? Because there is a different pull depending on the mass of the object. Mike wins a gold star. <laughs> gold sticker for you. Boys, Let's get into our final thoughts. Everything that was on Reddit, we've been through. We've done this whole thing. I want to know the final thoughts. As we get into stage two of becoming a flat earther, are we now believing that gravity is not real? The sun is a lamp and uh, and we live on a flat plane surrounded by an ice wall. Dave, are you a flat earther now? No, sadly. <laughs> 
I am not a flat earther. I think it's an interesting theory that opens up a lot of more conspiracies. And there are some valid questions, but I think a lot of it has to do with our lack of actually being able to see things because we are restricted beings. Uh, the one thing about flat earth theory that I find really fascinating is the suppression of information, the hidden things. And I think that's the conspiratorial part that really pulls me. Believing that it is a different shape or an infinite plane or a snow globe or flat earthers are going to get so mad at me for saying that because we don't believe it's a snow globe. It doesn't look like a pancake. But they all have different theories and a lot of it goes back to religion. A lot of it goes to creationism. A lot of it goes back to every other conspiracy you've ever heard of. So for me, still, I still think we live on a planet. The definition of planet is what we live on. Is it a perfect sphere? I think that's proven that it's not a perfect sphere. I'm not a scientist, but I've done research and research and research. And supposedly it takes up to two weeks or so to become a flat earther. I've been doing this research since like the end of July, and I'm still not convinced. Wanted to give it a fair shake. Didn't want to be a douchebag. Would invite any flat earther to come on and talk to us. We'd love to have you on, but you didn't get me yet. I will take my final thoughts, uh, a complete left turn here. I don't care. I don't care whether it's a giant paella pan or if we live on a dodgeball. I, I don't care. I don't care. Maybe it's the blue-pilled part of my brain that still exists, but I don't give a shit. It doesn't change anything. I'm still going to wake up in the morning and have to go to work, have to pay my taxes, and eventually I'm going to fucking die. That's just the way that it is. I don't care if we live on a flat plane. I don't care if we live on a globe. It's just the way that it is. But I don't think that we live on a flat plane. I'm just going to say that. I don't think that. I, I do think that there is a lot of cover-up of our former history. That much I believe is true. I do believe that NASA is filled with a bunch of liars and they do fabricate things, including setting up these videos where they're watching astronauts float around, but the water stays in a cup. That's an interesting one. I do think that they do composite images together and they are a bunch of liars. That I completely agree with. I love you whether you're a flat earther or not, but no, it's a no for me. Frank, give us your final thoughts. Did you become a flat earther in this episode? Frog's final thought. No, I didn't. I'm not going to go off on a limb and say that I tried to give flat earth theory the benefit of the doubt, but I tried to stay open-ended, especially towards like the beginning of the episode. I was just trying to like see it from both sides and I still do to an extent. And you're right in saying that their best argument is the space shit and nasa but that can't be all you're going off of here because that lends to so much other shit besides just the shape of the planet and not only that if you're like sold on the shape of the planet then you've been deceived you know what i'm gonna pull a flurfer and tell you what you've been taught on the internet is wrong and it's all code you've been tricked into thinking that what we live on is physical and that it has shape. There is no shape. I've never even been out of the country. You can't even <laughs> convince me that Australia is real.
let alone the the, the fucking shape of the earth. You're partial flat earther because Come I don't on. believe that Australia is real either. So Oh no. If, if Australia is real. Listen, nope. if you're in Australia and you uh you live there full time, reach out to us, send us an email, even better a voicemail because I just want to hear the accent. Send us a voicemail and say, hey, yeah, I exist. I'm here. This is a real place. <laughs> Clearly they exist. They're number three on our Spotify. That's list. right. Yeah. So. Thanks, Australia. You no, know. I, I never tried to doubt Australia. Hush- it Australians. Was but Australians. <laughs> our Australians down under. That's hilarious. Have we offended you? We're sorry. Well, I partially am. Um, I, I listen. I tried this episode. I think that I was better than the first episode. I didn't I sit there and say anybody was an idiot or any of that stuff. Like I said, you believe what you want to believe, but on, at the end of the day, I don't think that it really matters. Yeah, and if it makes you feel matters. special, by all means, like yeah, rock with it. it. But yeah. at the end of the day, a black bear could still take you out with one swipe. So, <laughs> or wolves, I, or wolves. Yeah, it's all love. Well, I think that's going to conclude our blast through the firmament, Hushlings. Do we still have the same views? Are we ready for stage three? I think nope. not. What did we miss? There will be more content related to this with a little extracurricular project that we are taking on. But as far as the Hush Hush Society is concerned, we are done with Flat Earth. Was there anything that we missed? Anything that we should have discussed? Did we mess up again, David? Please email us. Reach out to us at contact at hushhushsociety.com. And this time, please don't call us fucking idiots. In our 64th installment, we infiltrate the reptilian cult that mentioned a New World Order suggesting that everyone from Queen Elizabeth II to Barack Obama were shape-shifting lizards whose alien overlords were hell-bent on world domination led by journalist Sherry Schreiner. That'll be streaming everywhere on December 26th. Exciting, exciting times, boys. Getting back into the reptilians, as always. Every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. Hushlings. As always, you can watch us over at rockfin.com forward slash hush hush society. And just a quick reminder, please, if you would, two seconds on Spotify, you can rate us five stars. Apple Podcasts, you can rate us five stars and leave a comment. And anywhere else that you can leave us a rating, please feel free to do. You can also do that on our website, hushhushsociety.com. Maybe we will read them. Maybe we will read to the other hushlings how great you think this show is. Please, it would help us. I was thinking about it the other day. Why can't we be the only podcast that shits on this? Everybody has to agree. And we're like, no, fuck that. It's one of those conspiracy theories that among conspiracy theorists, it has to be agreed upon. It's like mm. saying, as a conspiracy theorist, believe that JFK was killed by Oswald. You can't. You get berated for it. You get talked down about it. And it's one of those talking points as a conspiracy theorist that you are supposed to wholeheartedly agree with. Mm. And I think that sometimes, not to get too too deep into delving into it, but I think that sometimes is what causes conspiracy theorists in general to be looked down upon or for people to ignore the things that they say or to 
brush it off as, oh, you're just being crazy. Instead of thinking logically and looking at the evidence for the most part, we you would think that that's what we're into since we research all this shit consistently. But at the same time, when we're faced with a piece of evidence that we don't like or we don't find that is within our wheelhouse, we denounce it. I think if we as conspiracy theorists or as researchers or as people that look beyond the mainstream, if we want to be taken seriously, we also have to look at evidence that goes and is contrary to what we believe and accept it. Which we tried. On that note, Hushlings, if you're a patron, thank you. Our next exclusive debriefing will be this Thursday, December 15th, where we hop down the chimney, snatch your kids, beat them with birch branches, and turn into Krampus. And that will only be on Patreon. And again, flurfs, globetards. Thank you all for joining the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour on another quest. I'm Declassified Dave. I'm Mystery Mike. And I'm Slick Frank Sanders. Until our next debriefing, remember, the best kept secrets are hidden in plain sight.